Obviously, as we meet today, we are very conscious of the events that took place in London overnight. And I just thought I would share some words with you that were put on social media this morning by uh, a friend of mine who is a minister at Bloomsbury Baptist Church in central London. He is actually quoting somebody else, but I think these are good words to hear as we gather for worship. Today, Christians are celebrating Pentecost when, through the gift of God's Holy Spirit, the barriers of culture, nationality and alienation were broken down and people were able to speak the good news of love and hope to those who were once so separated and distant. I pray that this work continues, especially in the coming days. Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and in truth. And so our opening hymn of praise this morning picks up that theme, spirit of truth and grace. If you're able, you are invited to stand as we sing.
And so we're going to come to God in prayer. And as is our custom here at Hillhead, after I have led us in prayer, we will join together in the Lord's Prayer in our own first languages or heart languages as they're sometimes referred to and in whichever version is the most familiar. But if you're not sure, there will be a version appear on the screen. So let's pray together. Spirit of life, on this Pentecost Sunday, we, with countless other followers of Jesus, recall and celebrate the special way in which you transformed the hearts and minds of ordinary, fearful disciples. We give you thanks for our own lives, so very ordinary and yet so unique and precious in your sight. Just as we breathe in the air that supplies oxygen for our physical well-being, so we seek to be inspired by you for our spiritual well-being. In these moments, as we pause in the stillness, simply to be, help us to become aware of your presence, closer than our own breathing. Spirit of truth, this is a word that has become so devalued in recent times, distorted by half-truths and even outright lies portrayed as alternative truths. Even we, at our very best, fail to live as truthfully and as truly as we would wish. We too can find ourselves being economical with the truth, when it serves our own interests. In these moments of stillness, help us to be aware of ways in which we have deceived ourselves and allow your cleansing forgiveness to fill us afresh. Spirit of hope, in a world where disappointment and disillusionment are rife, where acts of violence create fear and legitimately elected leaders fail to care for those in greatest need, it's easy to despair. In a few moments of stillness, help us to lay down our own disappointments and despair and allow your hope gently to fill our deepest needs. Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, Spirit of Wisdom, hear our prayers and renew us as we continue to pray for the inbreaking of your kingdom of Shalom, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever.
So it's a real joy and pleasure this morning to welcome Marit into covenanted membership here at Hilthead. Marit, would you like to come and join me and we'll move around into the middle so that as many people as possible can see what's going on. There is um, some wording that the congregation needs to be aware of. Uh, It is on your sheets. It will also appear on the screen, I hope, uh, when we get to it. Um, If this is your normal place of worship, then you are invited to share with us in those covenanting promises. But obviously we don't expect visitors to make promises to a community of which you're not part. But we will continue to value your prayers even so. In the name of our loving God, it is our joy to welcome Marit into the membership of this church. She has been a disciple of Jesus Christ for many years and is committed to serving God in this community. Today we acknowledge and thank God for that commitment. So I ask you these questions, Marit. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, your creator and redeemer and the sustainer of all things? I do. This is the God in whom I trust. Do you believe that God has led you to share in the worship, life and witness of this local congregation? I do, and I thank God for the gift of fellowship. Will you share with us the gifts God has given you, that together we may serve God in our local community and in the wider world? I do. All I have is given by God. As Baptist Christians, we covenant together as a community of disciples of Jesus Christ. Baptised into his name, we share the joys and responsibilities of fellowship. We gather for worship and to discern the mind of Christ. Together we seek the kingdom of God through prayer, witness and service. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we seek to build one another up in love. Will you share with us in this common life and service? And will you walk together with us before God in ways that are known and yet to be made known? I will. Thanks be to God. So if this is your normal place of worship and if you are able, you're invited to stand as we make these promises for merit. Do you welcome merits into the fellowship of this worshipping community? We do. This is our joy and our calling. God has given us the gift of merit. And through her has given us gifts for ministry in the life and witness of this congregation. Will you support her in Christian service and in the responsibilities of church membership? We will. Thanks be to God. Will you pray for and encourage her through hospitality, friendship and prayer? We will. In the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ. Now invite Anne to come and welcome you with the the holy hug as we do these days. (laughs) Merit, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always. Amen.
As is also our custom here, we have invited Marit to choose the next song for us, and she's chosen Seek Ye First, The Kingdom of God. Um, you will notice if you look on the sheet that we have it all in English, and then we have something in German and something in Yoruba. We wanted on this Pentecost Sunday especially to celebrate the diversity of our community. Unfortunately, our Welsh, Lithuanian and Hungarian friends aren't able to be with us today. Otherwise, we could have had at least six languages. If you happen to know this in a language that's not on the sheet, feel free. And the first verse we have in those three languages. Um, and just have some fun as we sing together. And if you get lost along the way, it really doesn't matter. Our Old Testament reading is from Joel chapter 2, 
verses 28 and 29. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female slaves in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And from the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, and then verse, chapter 14, verses 26 to 33. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirit, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the spirit chooses. What should be done then, my friends? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or three at most, and each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let them be silent in church and speak to themselves and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to someone else sitting nearby, let the first person be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is a God, not of disorder, but of peace.
good to have some of our younger folk with us, so I'm going to adapt a little bit what I've prepared because I want to try to make sure everybody feels included. Last Saturday, not Saturday, yesterday, the Saturday before, I was at a wedding of one of my godsons. I have three godsons, two who are brothers and one who's completely separate. And we all had our posh clothes on and we went to the service and then we got to the reception and one of his aunties started chatting to me. And one of the things when you're a minister is that people tend to chat to you about church. And she told me that she had been to, and I knew this, she had been to her local parish church for many, many years. She said, oh, it's awfully boring. Awful, awful boring. So recently she'd been going with a friend of hers to another church that was big and lively and what we would probably call happy clappy. And she said, well, it's, it's all right, but there's no peace and quiet. And I just thought you can't win, can you? Whatever kind of church you are, whether you're traditional or trendy, people maybe fit and people maybe don't. But it did get me thinking about our church here at Hillhead, which I love so dearly. And very often we get visitors come to us, and it's great, visitors from all over the world. And usually what happens when we get to the door, and no pressure here, (laughs) when we get to the door is people will say, what a friendly church, and I enjoyed it. I knew where it was going. I knew what was happening. I didn't feel lost and confused. Some people will say, you know, this isn't the kind of church I would worship in normally, and that's fine, and that's great. And sometimes they go, yep, you know, you're just like our church at home, and anything in between. Sometimes people who come to us are just with us for a couple of years. They just need some time out to reflect and regroup after a difficult experience and then move on. Um, And that's great. And other times, as with Marit this morning, people come and think, actually, this is the church I want to commit to be part of. I get what this church is about. I want to be part of that. And that's great. And then occasionally, and this is a little more sad, people think, actually, this isn't the right church for me, either on a first visit or after a while. But it's only sad because they're sad. I wouldn't want somebody to be here who felt this was stifling them or not enabling them to fulfil their spirituality. So I quite often wind up sitting down with people. Not quite often, that sounds like it happens a lot. Occasionally, I sit down with people and we talk about what would be a better church view, a better fit. And for some people, it's something a bit more happy-clappy. For some people, it's something a bit more traditional and and everything in between. What's that got to do with anything? What's that got to do with Pentecost? Well, for around about 2,000 years, most Christians in most places thought Pentecost was something that happened way back. And that the gifts that people exercise, the speaking in other languages, whether earthly or heavenly, and people still debate that to this day, the uh, gifts of healing, the gifts of prophecy, they thought those were for that time. And now we lived in a different age. During the second half of the last century, there was the emergement of what we sometimes refer to as the charismatic movement. And people started to do different things. And in the 1970s and the 1980s, it did cause quite a lot of churches to split. And this was often over the exercise of charismatic gifts. 
but it wasn't always. I wonder who likes to listen to a pipe organ in church? Okay. Who hates to listen to a pipe organ in church? We won't tell you off. Okay, well, that's okay. So some churches would split over that. Who likes to sing lots of hymns and songs? Yeah. Who doesn't really like singing very much? Okay, well, that's good because we sing quite a lot. But some churches would split over if you did or didn't sing songs of the kind that they liked. Some would split over whether the children were in all the time or not, whether the children took communion or not. They got into all sorts of fussing about what made a true church. So I'm kind of thinking about what Jesus said about worshipping in spirit and truth, and I'm pretty much ignoring what I've got written, so that could go anywhere, but never mind. Pentecost starts not on Pentecost Sunday, but actually a way back in the Old Testament. At the dawn of creation, God's spirit brooded over the chaos. God's spirit was there. We hear about God's spirit in the story of the dry bones in Ezekiel. And in wisdom literature, God's spirit is personified as female, as Sophia Wisdom. And we are left in no doubt as to her activity. In fact, I know this annoys some people, but all the words that are used to describe God's spirit are female. So I think God's spirit, if it has a gender, is female. But in the book of Joel, which um, Joan just read a few little bits from it for us, it says this, I will pour my spirit on all people. God's spirit is poured onto David and to Fergus, and to Lewis, and to Rory, just as much as it is onto Edith, and Alison, and Graham, and Betty. All people, young and old, black and white, rich and poor, gay and straight, whoever you are, God's spirit is for you, and God's spirit will be poured onto you. In fact, the Joel, I think, predates what Paul says in the letter to Galatia. Because he talks about old and young, sons and daughters, slaves and free. And that's exactly what Paul says, isn't he? In Christ, there is no difference. Male and female, irrelevant. Slave and free, doesn't matter. Rich and poor, Gentile and Jew, these are all gone. They don't matter once you're in Christ. So everybody is given God's spirit and through God's spirit is given gifts. And often those gifts are quite ordinary. I think I probably have a gift of waffling. But there are people whose gifts perhaps are of medicine, people whose gifts are languages, people whose gifts are administration, people whose whose gifts are being very caring, people who have all kinds of gifts, music, uh, looking after children, Look at doing computer programming. Isn't that a, a gift of languages that I definitely don't have? Will has that one, but I don't. So all sorts of gifts that people have. But it's not just for us and for our pleasure. It's to build up the common good. Everybody in this church, then, has got a gift. Every single person. So none of us should feel inferior 
to anybody else because they can do something that we can't. I shouldn't feel inferior to Paul because I can't play the piano anywhere near that well. And nobody should feel inferior because they can't stand up at the front and, and waffle. But also, you shouldn't feel superior to other people either. We should value each other as of equal worth, just different. And if there's nothing else that we take away today, this Pentecost, it's that God loves us just as we are. God's made us with the gifts and skills and personalities that we need to be who we are. And together in community, we can celebrate and exercise those gifts. The second thing that Paul says really is a statement of the blooming obvious. And I can't say other words because I'm in church, but you kind of get my drift. He's talking about being orderly. And it's just obvious stuff, really. In Corinth, things had got very muddled up. So some people came to church before others. Some people had had their dinner. Some people came straight from work. Some people just thought, well, great, I can speak in this fancy language. I'm going to speak it. And some people thought, I've got a prophecy. And somebody else... And it was just chaotic. And Paul said, no, 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 no. That's not right. Not that what you're doing isn't right. That's great. That's exciting that you have these gifts that you want to exercise. But the way you're exercising them is messy. And what you should do, he says, is if people have got something to say in another language, that's great. But only two or three. That's enough. And then only if somebody can translate it. If I asked Addy to speak in in Yoruba for us, and nobody was here who could translate it, we'd all be lost and confused. And that's what Paul's saying. Don't speak in a foreign language or or a heavenly language if nobody can understand it. That's not helpful. It might frighten people, it might bore people, it might put them off. It doesn't build people up. And if you've got a word you want to bring, a thought you want to bring, that's great. But take turns and then weigh it up. Just because somebody stands at the front and says something doesn't mean it's from God and doesn't mean it's right. And in that, I just began to see a hint of Baptistness, the communal discernment, listening together and saying, does that seem to make sense? Does that fit with what we know of God's character? Does that fit with what we understand of following Jesus? And if so, that's great. But if it's completely skew-iffy, then perhaps we need to be careful. So worship to be orderly. And I think we're quite good at orderly worship here, to be honest. We're very much a community that has a good structure in our worship. But it's also a lot of trust exercised. You trust me each week to prepare and deliver something that is going to be worth listening to and is hopefully inspired by God and will help us grow. We trust Paul with the music. We trust the choir with the singing. We trust the readers to read well. We trust the intercessors to lead our prayers. We, understand, we trust the children's workers to lead the children. That is all good and it's all important. And that's one of the great things about this church is that people do exercise their gifts. 
when Jesus talks about worshipping in spirit and truth, what I think he means is for each person to use the gifts that they've been given in a way that is orderly and authentic so that everybody is encouraged and built up. One of the things I honestly do think we gained from the charismatic movement of the last century is that we can make worship very narrow, very predictable, and actually quite dull. And they said, let's open ourselves up. Let's see if there are other ways that we can worship God. And and I think we as a congregation are good at that. Um, You put up with my weird and wonderful ideas of sitting in different arrangements or telling stories or doing crafts or whatever it is. But they didn't get it all right, because what the charismatics are beginning to learn from the traditional churches is that liberty, if not properly structured, slides into the very chaos that Paul was concerned about. That God's spirit is as much at work in the careful crafting of a liturgy as in the spontaneous singing in tongues. That silence and stillness are really valuable as part of our spiritual experience. Truth isn't just about right doctrine, if you could actually ever fully and finally define what that meant. I think truth is about being truthful, about being authentic, about being real in our worship, engaging our hearts and our minds so that together and individually we may grow in faith and in grace. For me, Pentecost is an amazing celebration of the diversity of Christian experience inspired by the one spirit. I love to go to a cathedral to do Evensong. I quite enjoy it being in a charismatic thing and doing a bit of the arm waving. They're all great. They can all be properly authentic ways of worshipping God. But also, one of the things I've been reflecting on coming into today is that it's easy to carry on, easy for me to carry on doing the same old, same old, asking the same people all the time, when actually there are probably more people who have gifts to offer if I just took the time to see. There's a bit of a challenge, for I think, for all of us, or a call from God for all of us to say, these are the gifts I have, whether I'm old or young or, or in between. These are the gifts I have that I can offer in the service of God and perhaps in the church. Let's celebrate what we're good at. Everybody's good at something here. I wonder, um, can any of the children tell me what you're good at? What are you good at, Fergus? What are you really good at? You're really good at football, so let's celebrate that Fergus is good at football. What are you good at? You're good, well, let's, let's celebrate. We've got boys who are good at football. Bethany, I know you're not a child, but you're relatively young. What do you think you're good at? <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> Bethany is a really good reader, hasn't she? Because she reads for us occasionally and you steward for us occasionally, don't you? So you're, you're, you're exploring, I think, what your gifts are within the church and that's fantastic. What are you good at, girls? Anything? I'm sure you've got lots of things. You're good at music, aren't you? Yeah? What about you, Sarah? What do you think you're good at? Oh dear, this is when I put people on the spot, you see, it never works. Okay, anybody want to tell me what you're good at? Anybody apart from, we've got football, we've got people exploring their gifts. Anybody else? Well, Graham's good at languages, aren't you, Graham? Yes? Yes? Yes. 
Ken, <laughs> Ken's very good at looking after our figures for us, yeah. All right, what are you good at? You're good at dancing. Yeah, you two are very good dancers, aren't you? So all different gifts that we all have, and we can celebrate those. Uh, and I think, you know, the, the creativity that people have and the abilities that people have are something we want to celebrate this Pentecost Sunday. And then I suppose I can't not mention the events of last night just very briefly. And what I would want to say about last night is that my heart goes out to all the Islamic people of goodwill in these islands. This is their most holy month. The month of Ramadan is when they they fast by day and focus on their relationship with God. It's a time when they particularly give alms to charity. And many Muslims of goodwill today are grieving greatly. Their holy month has been abused, has been devastated by the act of people who are not true Muslims. I think we should pray for our Muslim brothers and sisters just as we pray for people of all faiths and especially people of our own faith. Pentecost is a celebration of what unites, not what divides. And so I think today... It's good to celebrate who we are, to delight in who we are, and be grateful to the God who gives everybody gifts, which, if rightfully used, are for the good of all. We're going to sing now a song that is for Pentecost in in some ways. Thanks, Paul. Is that the right one?
had prepared prayers on the election and compassion and church. But we must preface those with a prayer suggested by the events of last night. Let us pray. God of peace and justice, hear the prayers of your worshipping people in many places for those bereaved or suffering injury from recent unprovoked attacks on folk of all ages and circumstances. May the patient skill of doctors and nurses and gentle kindliness of family and friends bring comfort to those who need it at this time. May our administrators and educators give earnest attention to how we heal the minds of those blinded by inculcated hatred and social alienation. And how we teach children from the earliest age and older strangers too the way of love as exemplified by our Lord Jesus Christ. Gracious God, as human beings made in your image, we are regularly called on to make rational choices and use that ability daily. Now we have been deafened with political argument in preparation for the choice we must make by this week a community choice in which we have a share. It's often easy to make a choice for our personal advantage, but now we must look around us to see and think about what politicians need to change for the advantage of the community at large. Help us, Lord, to discount the party propaganda and look beyond the personality of the individual candidates to understand what principles we should apply and what good purposes would be strengthened by the candidate we choose. And remind us, we beg you, to pray for the discrimination of your Holy Spirit before we vote conscientiously. God of the whole family of mankind, many a school child could retell Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan, but the world is slow to learn its profound yet simple lesson that we depend on others and they depend on us, regardless of race or language or skin colour or any other difference. Yet many of us are not good at showing compassion if the other person is somehow different from us. We've made our gifts to Christian aid, but help us to act as if we have brothers in Libya and sisters in Syria and children in Palestine whose daily need cries out for ongoing help. Forgive us if we limit our aid to once a year, God of love, and bless the efforts of all who have acted at some cost to themselves to meet the needs of others in distant or dangerous places.
Give each of us, we pray, the will daily to offer some help to someone in need, even when we lack the opportunity. Meanwhile, the church needs our prayers. The church universal that so often seems to be failing in its mission to point the world to the way of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to find how to interpret scripture that presents us with so many differing ideals. How to hear the calm voice of Jesus in a world of disorientation and violence. And how to seek the guidance of your Holy Spirit in presenting people with your word for our times. So help us, Lord, to realise that the language we use, the idioms and clichés with which we are all too familiar, some biblical phrases we have long cherished that may be far removed from everyday talk, all these need to be changed if our words are to have meaning for those alienated from the church. And this small section of your church gathered here also needs your guidance through the obstacles and delays to rebuilding our premises in whatever way is in keeping with your will for our future. We ask for all those directly involved that they may have clarity of mind and strength for all their discussions with others that a worthy solution may emerge under the guidance of your Holy Spirit. All these prayers we offer in Jesus' name. Amen.
generous God, we offer you these, our gifts of money. We also offer you the gifts that you have given us. The gifts of being good at football or music. The gifts of listening and of loving. The gifts of serving and of being. Accept them all, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. And so as we prepare to meet around the Lord's table, we sing again, God of the Passover. my great joys as being a Baptist is the freedom to create bespoke communion liturgies. Words that are for one-off use that are created to fit a specific service. But it's also good from time to time to make use of published liturgies created for general use and shared across the denominations. God's Spirit inspires those who work together to create these. And so as part of our Pentecost celebration of diversity and of authentic gifting, I'm going to use an ecumenical pattern which includes some responses which will appear on the screen and there's also a bit of singing partway through because, you know, I thought I'd have a bit of Anglicanism thrown in just to keep you on your toes, although you do know it, so it's all right. Um, Words that appear on the screen in yellow, I will say. Words that appear on the screen in white, we will all say together. And it might be nice if um, our young folk, if you want to come and, and gather and, and help me with a little bit with the distribution of the bread when we get to that point. Uh, maybe the two girls and, and, and the boys at the front can help to share the bread, if that's okay with our servers. Okay. The Lord is with us. God's Spirit is here. Listen. 
I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you, and you with me. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts as well as our hands to God in heaven. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. We are the body of Christ. In the one spirit we were baptised into one body. Let us then pursue all that makes for peace and build up our common life. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. We give you thanks, God of peace and justice, that you have made all things to find their unity with you and in you. For you are the life and energy of all that is, and you are making all things new. Without you, meaning is lost, and we are estranged. The stars and galaxies, the waters and ocean depths sing your praise. Forest and mountain, yes, even the desert, all proclaim your splendour. With all creation, we join the hymn of angels and archangels and all your people of every time and place as we sing.
is our health and our wholeness, the gift of the one who emptied himself. We give you thanks for Jesus, the wounded healer, who, by his words and deeds, brings new life to all creation. We praise you for his obedience, even to the cross, where he made death the gateway to glory. We praise you that you raised him to new life and set him on high to pray for us and to bring all things into union with you. At table with his friends, he took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and shared it with them. Take, eat, he said, and remember me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. He gave thanks and shared it with them. (coughs) Drink it, all of you, he said, to remember me. So we take these gifts of bread and wine, give thanks and share them. Come, Holy Spirit, take the things and people of earth and make them signs of the peace Christ brings by his body and blood. So that we, feeding on him and trusting in him alone, may be led from death to that life where strife and envy Falsehood and pride are ended in the holy communion of your eternal kingdom. These things we ask in and with and through our Saviour Jesus, the Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. (coughs) Amen. Holy things for holy people, the gift and salvation of God. The young people like to come and join me. When we break bread, is it not a means of sharing in the body of Christ? Because we are, there is one loaf, we, though many, are one body, for there is one loaf of which we all partake. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. We will retain our glasses and drink together a sign of our unity in this community and throughout the world. How can I repay the Lord for all his benefits to me? I shall lift up the cup of salvation and call on the Lord by name. I shall pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Let us drink in gratitude and faith. God of grace, you have called us to be your disciple people and gathered us to your table. Here we have tasted the bread of heaven and shared the new wine of your kingdom. Empower us by your spirit that we may be a gospel people, good news for all the world, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
let us go into God's world as disciples of Jesus Christ and messengers of the gospel. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and always. Mm-hmm.